All right, you guys, welcome to church. I am not Pastor Keith. I have more hair, and uh, I am ready for today. Matter of fact, um, Keith <laughs> walked in. Well, I wasn't even planning to do that. I hope he's watching. Anyway, so Keith walked into the office two weeks ago, and he had his phone in his hand, and he was looking down. He, his shoulders are going up and down like that. And by the time he got to Pastor Matt and me, he, he looked up directly at me, and I'm like, Oh, dude, you're giving me self-control, aren't you? And sure enough, through the skin of his bald little head come the horns and him and Matt just fall out laughing because out of all the pastors, I'm going to admit, I am not the one that would be the picture of self-control. So with that said, we're going to dive right in. And I got to ask you, when I say the words self-control, I bet I can get you uh, to think about the same things I do when I hear that word. Let's throw up that first image. Let me ask you, <laughs> self-control. Raise your hand if this is the bane, your Achilles heel. If this is on your counter at home, they won't survive. Raise your hand. Oh, a lot of sweet tooth in there. Okay, everybody that didn't raise your hands, liars. All right, no, 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 no. All right, let's go to the next one. This one's mine. Oh, dog, I'm telling you, by the way, I typed in homemade, homemade chips. And I'm telling you, Bianca Pinkson, she can make literally the best salsa in the world, but that's also homemade guac. I tell you, if that was on my counter and you reached for it, you may lose an arm. So if I'm hosting, be careful, be careful now. I may, I may murder somebody over that. All right. So, but one of the things that I hear of self-control is on the opposite side. Self-control can also inspire, convict, condemn, whatever, for you to do something unpleasant. And when I got out of the army, I vowed I will never do this again unless it's from a bear. Let's see this next one. Yep, that's me right there. Boom, taking out the weights. All right. I can literally watch that all day, so you guys probably ought to turn that off. So it's, it's really funny today what we're going to be doing is talking about self-control. And when I was preparing for this, I was like, okay, why does the self need controlling? Why does the self really need to be harnessed? And what I get to thinking about is the fruits of the Spirit, obviously. We're talking about Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Let's see who's been paying attention over the last eight weeks. Eight weeks, yeah, we're on number nine. The last eight weeks. So the fruit of the Spirit, let's, you have to go in order. Don't get out of order. Ready? Fruit of the Spirit is? Love. Wait, 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 wait. Do we do it together? We do it together. Number two, joy. Number three, number four, And the last one is self-control. Good job. Ah, good job. Give yourselves a round of applause. You're paying attention. That's good stuff. All right. So today what we're going to do is we are going to spend the entire day on three words. On three words. So I'm a big cause and effect kind of guy. If I have the effect at the end of the chain, I am the kind of tinkerer. That I like to break it down, find out where did this originate from? In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we have the end result. We have the fruit. We have post-equals. Wow, I just went all algebraic on you. 
A plus B equals C. We have the post equals. We have what is at the end. But I want to go back. I want to go back to the beginning. And on your sermon guides, on your sermon guides, point number one is the Spirit is the only source of spiritual gifts. The only source. And that's a pretty complete term. But I'm going to make sure that by the time we get done with this point, you see where I'm going with this. I'd like you to go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, and I, I kind of teach a little bit different. I would challenge you, as I have been in the kids' ministry now for 13 years, bring your Bibles. <laughs> know what I say is accurate because I am fallible, but his word is not. So what I would ask you to do, John chapter 14, and if you, get, if you have the paper, you get extra credit. If you're on your phone, you just get credit. So make sure and stick with me because we're going to be all over the map, and that's just kind of how I am. I haven't taken my red one today. All right. I stalled long enough for you to get to John chapter 14. Here we go. John chapter 14. Thanks, son. John chapter 14, starting in verse 15. Now, it's written in what color? Red. So the person that is actually speaking, we probably need to pay attention to. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is one of the most powerful, powerful passages to me. Verse 15. If you love me, the Lord Jesus Christ, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Stop right there. God is not some sort of cosmic killjoy. If I truly love God, if I truly love the Lord Jesus Christ, his commands are like honey. His commands are, are the gas in the gas tank. His commands are, are lovely. If you love me, you will keep my commands. He continues, and I will ask of the Father and he will give you another helper. That word helper is paraclete. The helper, which is the Holy Spirit. Listen to this to be with you in the next five minutes only. No, to be with you forever. Everybody say forever. forever. I am, to, this is not yo-yo Christianity. He doesn't put the spirit on a believer and then pull it back. Boom, boom, boom. That's, God's spirit is with the believer forever. Listen to this, even the spirit of truth so if we went back to Galatians, you don't have to go there, but if you go back to Galatians, he makes it very clear that that list of fruits of the Spirit is not all-inclusive. Here's another fruit. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot see or receive, the world cannot receive, it is exclusive. As a believer, this promise is for you. As a non-believer, I'm sorry to say, this promise is not for you. As a believer, he's, give, he's gifting, he's putting, he's putting that spirit on that believer because it's lunacy to a non-believer. To the world, it, it's like reading Greek. I can't read it. I can't read Hebrew. I can't read, I can't hardly read English. My, my point is, to the world, it seems lunacy, the things of the spirit. All you have to do is just look across our culture. All right. But it, but it, referring to the world, because it neither sees him or knows him. Now listen to this. You, believer, you, saint, you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Who is Jesus talking to? He's actually specifically talking to his disciples at this point. But he's 
talking to the believer. He's talking to the saint. Acts 5, 32 says, and we are his witness. This is Peter giving the greatest sermon ever in mankind's history. 3,000 people come to know the Lord in one sermon. And the reason why is because he preaches the gospel, right? And he says, we are his, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus' witness to these things. And so also is who? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that witness whom God has given. Now listen to this. This is exclusive. To those who obey him. If you love me, you will obey my commands. That's Acts 5.32. Now I always wonder. I'm like, okay, so he gave us the Holy Spirit. Whoever is doing the giving has to be pretty big. I want that whoever does the gifting that they better be of the right pay grade, okay? So who is doing the gifting? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And we often forget about who he is. Let's do just a quick little synopsis. I did an entire sermon on Christology, but we're just gonna hit just a couple things. First of all, he's our savior, right? Who's he saving us from? I often ask the kids, why, why did Jesus come, to the, come and, and die on the cross? Well, he saved us from our sins. Well, actually... Actually, he came to save us from the justifiable wrath of God. Our sin incurs wrath on us, and he paid for that. Yes, he came to save us from our sins, but he saved us from what we deserve. Which brings us, and that was in 1 Timothy 4.10. How about he's our redeemer? He pays the debt of our sin. That's Job 19.25. He is the Lord Jesus. That's John 21, 7. I've been calling him Lord all morning. I wonder why. He is our Lord. There's no higher pay grade. That's it. He is the creator in John 1, 1. Now listen, if you're a non-believer, listen to this one. In John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Man, that's pretty exclusive. So what does he do? So obviously he has the pay grade. He has a pedigree. He has a resume. He can, in fact, from a positional standpoint, gift us with the Holy Spirit, right? So what does the Holy Spirit get us? So now I went from post-equals. I went all the way back to the beginning. Now I'm back in the middle. I know I haven't taken my red line today. Stay up. So here we go. What does the Holy Spirit get us? First of all, he's our seal of salvation. He's our seal. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says, In him, the Holy Spirit, in him you also trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel or good news of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed. That isn't, hey, I'm going to put this on you and take it off. Put this on you. Take no, you, you're sealed. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Tax title, dealer doc. Sealed, right? Listen to these other big words. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's a big one. I promise. Who is another big one? Guarantee. He is the guarantee of your inheritance, of our inheritance. Until redemption of the purchased possession. I love Ephesians. Man, these are big Absolute terms, signed, sealed, and delivered. The next thing that the Holy Spirit does for us, he's our advocate. 
This one means a lot to me. And the reason why is because have you ever tried to walk something really hard on your own and you just wished somebody, just somebody would go before you? John 14, 26 says, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, who the Father will send in my name will teach you. We're gonna come back to that word teach here in a little bit. He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said. The next thing that the Holy Spirit does, number three, is he is our present help. Hey, parents, being a parent is hard. I got three teenage boys, and there have been times where I and my wife are literally at our wit's end. We don't even know how to pray. And, and no matter the age, we could be the youngest, probably her right there. Him? Him. Sorry, my bad. He's probably the youngest in this room. Get ready, brother. You're going to be on your knees praying. I, I don't know what to do with this thing. All the way up to adult children, grandparents, have you ever hit your knees and just been like, I don't even know how to pray this. Look, you don't even have to be a parent and be there. When you're on your knees and you're like, God, I got no words. I got nothing here but to just do this. Take heart, believer. Listen to Romans 8, 26. He says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness. For we don't even know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with the groanings which cannot be uttered. He is literally standing in that gap with you and handling your prayer. But picture this, he's not just handling it, he's personally delivering it to the throne room of God. Amen, somebody, right? We have an advocate, a present help. God is taking our prayers when we are too weak to do it. He's taking it and presenting it to the throne room. Okay, good job, guys. You made it through the intro. You ready for this? <laughs> Back to Galatians chapter five for the fourth point. Most specifically, the Holy Spirit is our testimony. Okay, this is when I get jazzed, right? You're like, oh my gosh, this guy doesn't, he only knows full throttle. Yep, I do. Because this is where it really gets fun to me. And the reason why is because the Holy Spirit is our testimony. Everybody in here has a testimony. Everybody, either good or not. The number one reason why people don't come to church, in my uh, professional opinion, in my opinion, after 15 years of ministry, is I don't like the hypocrites in church. How many times have you heard that? Lots. And it's unfortunate because you have a testimony either good or ill. And it doesn't matter your age. All of us have a testimony. Point number two, are you ready for this? The self is in constant need of controlling. I'll actually open to this. The self is in constant need of controlling. So in Galatians chapter five, right before you get into the fruit of the spirit, he also covers the fruit of the flesh, but it's not exhaustive. I'm gonna add some. You guys ready for this? Glass half, half empty, here we go, ready? How about laziness? How about idleness? How about selfishness? How about self-preservation at all costs? How about self-promotion? 
How about pride, arrogance, loose tongues? Hey, side note on loose tongues. And I'm guilty of this, so I'm speaking to myself. Some people pride themselves on being able to say anything at any time to everybody, and they are deemed straight shooters. That is a cloak, and it's damaging. Be very, very, very careful with that. You can say all day long, well, that's just me. Mm. You probably ought to read your Bible. Because if you're leaving body in the wake, bodies in the wake, that's not scriptural. How about justified rebellion? Guys, I, I want you to actually go and see these next se- sections of scripture. Go to 1 Corinthians, please. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, and I, and I want to prove my point, and I want to seal this home. You're going to be like, oh my goodness, you guys, you're beating a dead horse. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 9. This is Paul writing to the church of Corinth, the church, not a person, the church. Now, Corinth would be like Las Vegas, New Orleans at Mardi Gras, Carnival in Brazil on crack. Corinth was legit the essence of debauchery and filth. Matter of fact, when somebody would refer to themselves as a Corinthian, they were naturally assumed drunk all day long. Corinth was a rough town, but it was known for the Isthmian Games. And that would be comparable to the Super Bowl, comparable to the Olympic Games. So for those people that don't like sports analogies, yeah, you're going to have to get over it. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. Paul writing verse uh, in chapter, chapter 9, verse, starting in verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all... Runners run. Does that, did that say only 20% of the church? No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait let me reread that. Do, not, do you not know that all runners run, but only one receives a prize? Okay, Christianity is not the upwards basketball version of sports where everybody gets a participation ribbon and no score is kept. Listen to me. Nobody Nobody who is a Christ follower is allowed or afforded the opportunity to stand on the sidelines. This is not a participation sport. This is an engagement sport. It's full contact. Get on the field. Get on the field. Listen, here's my issue with this. We often often can start with, I can't do that. I don't have enough time. I do this. I do that. I do this. Listen, if every one of those starts with the letter I, go back and start praying because you're approaching everything from the I perspective and the I is the self. Okay, here we go. So run that you may obtain it. What are we obtaining again? The prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete, every single one of them exercises self-control. Every single one of them in all things. Jumping down to 27, it says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul is not talking about losing his salvation there, you guys. Look, there, there may be... Let's take a poll. How many people, how many do you think come into this church on any given Sunday? Participation time. Let's wing it. How many? Come on. Thousand. No, higher. Fifteen hundred. Smidgen lower. Come on, a little lower. 
13 to 1400. Okay, another, another thing. I like auctions. You got to give me this. Ready? All right. What percentage of them are actively serving in this church? Actively in, engage in serving a brother and sister. Troy says 40%. Four, 4%. Dude, bro, that's not even a glass half empty. That's like a teaspoon half poured out. We can do better than that. Come on now. All right, right. 25? 10? It's actually between 20 and 22%. It's actually out of a church of 13 to 1400 people, 22% are doing all the lift. Hey church, the body of Christ is all in. And I'm not telling you, you need to run out and sign up for every single stinking ministry. That's not what I'm saying. But when I see Justin and JC Dyrude, who are teenagers running the parking team on any given Sunday, because an adult canceled, I got problems. When I see the fact that we can't open the first service elementary because people don't get engaged, I got problems. 20%. Now, what I'm saying is that you don't have to go out and sign up for all these ministries. But let's take this one step further. How many days of the week do you guys open your Bibles? Idleness actually starts right there. Now, I want to talk to the person that literally signs up for, I think, every single ministry. I've seen them actually work an awful lot in all aspects of this church. Self-control is on that side of the coin too. If we fill every single gap, the other body parts are like, so self-control goes both sides, right? Second Thessalonians chapter three. We gotta jump there, you guys. This one's a good one. Second Thessalonians chapter three. Now listen to this. Paul writing to the Th Th uh, church of Thessalonica. He says, now we suggest to you. Come on, somebody correct me. Is that what that says? Anybody had second Thess yet? What's that word say? Now we what? Command. We command you. Brothers. Who's he talking to? Brothers and sisters in Christ. Brothers. Believers, we command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, wait a minute. That's like my kids saying to another kid, hey, dad told me. No, no, no. This is way higher pay grade. We command you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you keep away from any brother who walks idle, um, in idleness and not in accord, accordance with the tradition that you received from us. Okay, that word away does not mean cast out, chastise, break up, break down. No, no, no. That word uh, 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 stay away from is just avoid. The avoidance of that behavior is we should avoid that. But we need to be very careful because this person's still a brother. That person is still a brother and sister in Christ. So we need to come alongside of that brother and build them up and say, listen, listen to the, look at the gap you're causing by not using the gifts that God has given you. Build that person up and encourage them in love and in strength saying, look what you can do. 
It's very, very important that we encourage one another there. Now, before you, uh, listen, a lot of people will say, Vaughn, you ripped that out of context. You're just making that scripture do what you want it to do. Actually, I did my homework on it. Michael Holm, in his commentary, he writes, he states this. The word work there is, and I'm not even gonna say it because I can't. It's A-T-A-K-T-O-S. It's Greek. And it, and it does it does indicate the character of the behavior in question. And Holm compares it to the verb e r g a z o m a i ergazomi, meaning to work. They're different. So this is actually speaking to both the physical, like the professional, and then the spiritual attitude. It's actually referring to them both. Holm compares those two verbs. He goes on to say that the view of this contrast is often concluded that the problem is one of laziness and idleness or wasting their efforts. So it both works on a spiritual side and it works on a professional side. Are you ready for this one? If you're able to work and you are not, that scripture's for you. If you're at home playing Xbox in mom and dad's basement, and you could go to work, McDonald's is paying like 17 an hour. Please go back to work. Please. Man was made to work. We're made to go to work. I got an eye roll from Heidi on that one when I said that last service. I was like, well, I can't. It's a, okay, anyways, all right. Now I've been beating up on the believers. Oh, man, I've been hammering my church family. And you guys, I'm not gonna apologize. It's right there. But I really wanna shift gears to the non-believer for a minute. And maybe you guys, maybe you're here because you got guilted into coming. Mom and dad are like, you're going to church. I'm like, oh, okay. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you've just been given it lip service for a long time and you're just filling the seat and you're like, I just gotta check the block. Maybe if I, when I die, there's more on the good side than the bad side. Maybe... That's you. Please listen to this. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit sets their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. You can't do this apart from the Spirit. You're actually living in a hostile state towards the, the person who fashioned you, your creator. For it does not submit to God's law. The flesh will never submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh, please listen to me if you're not a believer. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Listen to the word of Jesus when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Notice he did not say, unless you be born of water and effort, water and works, Listen, when you get non-believer, you get to the end, of the end of the age and you're looking at it. Look, there's no atheist on the deathbed. 
You're going to have to come to the conclusion, is this what I put my stock in, all my efforts? Is this going to get it done? And then I hope you hear some good pastor's voice in there saying, it's not. Apart from Christ Jesus and your submission to his lordship, you're stepping off into an eternity of darkness. Without the lordship of Christ, you're running a race with no goal. You're running a race with no end. Have you ever wondered why in the world am I never at peace? Why in the world am I never content? Listen to this. I love what William Barclay wrote in his, in his commentary on the Corinthians. He says, someone once drew a cartoon showing two men on Mars, looking down at the people in the world, scurrying here and there and everywhere. One said to the other, what are they doing? The other replied, they are going. But said the first, where are they going? Oh, said the other, they are not going anywhere. They are just going. And to go just anywhere is the certain way to arrive at nowhere. Apart from the Spirit of God, you are literally running aimlessly. Which brings me to the third and final point. You ready for this? This one, I'm super stoked to get to. I've been like amped to get here. The result of self-control is a powerful message. Everybody, please, please, the last scripture I'm gonna make you jump to is in Titus chapter two. Go to Titus chapter two because seriously, I'm gonna beat up on culture right now and I want you to hear the words of the Lord, not hear the words of Vaughn. Every single one of us in this room has a testimony. Every single one of them. From the oldest to the youngest in here. I know for a fact that like my, here's a good one. There's a young man in here that I have the highest respects for. And he's, what grade are you? Fourth grade? Third grade? Third grade. He's third grade. Dad helped him out. He's in third grade and this kid is awesome. He has a testimony to the people around him. He's got buddies that come and say, Brody, why are you different? He's got parents that are investing in him. He's got a testimony and it fires me up and I'm 46. I have a 16 year old that him and his best friend started a young men's group and they're actually going through the Heidelberg Catechism and no, that's not Catholic. If you wanna know more about it, come find me afterwards. They're actually going through the Heidelberg Catechism knowing their faith and it's a group of 10 guys and I have seen them change Unbelievable, because they started as selfish teenagers and now I'm watching them turn into men of God in front of my eyes. I don't even have to be there. And they're leading. Everybody has their testimony. Okay, you ready? Titus, everybody at Titus, chapter two, right? Here you go. Titus chapter two. But as for you, this is Paul talking to Titus. Listen to this. As for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Okay, grandpas, everybody in here that's got, I'm not even gonna say white hair. Everybody in here that's a grandpa, <laughs> some of you are bald. Listen, grandpa, this one is for you. Oh, to go back in time when my three boys were young and have a grandpa that was still alive, that cared more about discipling me than his golf handicap, that actually invested in me and said, son, you better watch out for these roadblocks. Oh, to have a grandpa alive to be able to do that. If you're still on this planet, you are not done. 
You are not done. You may have retired, but you're not spiritually retired. Listen to this, Grandpa. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Listen to me. I didn't have that, Grandpa. I had him when I was young, but when I started raising kids, didn't have that grandpa. My grandpa had passed. As of late, God has sent a, an older gentleman in my life that I'm just clinging to. And, and without Tracy, I don't know what I would do right now. You guys don't understand. Grandpa's your testimony are so important. You've got years to give. How many brick walls have you walked into? It'd be really easy to share it with a younger person. Like, yeah, I wouldn't walk that way. Okay. Oh, grandma's ready. This one's for you, grandma. Pay attention. Here we go. Older women. Likewise, be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. Listen, for generations, I think for probably three to five generations, I may be over-exaggerating, the target has been on us guys, culturally. If the culture can destroy the testimony of a man in a household, guess what happens? The house starts to break apart. Guess who has to shoulder all of that weight? The women. Hey, ladies, guess what? The target has shifted. It used to be on us guys. The target is now on you. Have you noticed that? How do you like it, birthing parent? Yeah, this, hey, pay attention. There's, there's the bullseye on you. Older, older women, never before has your testimony been less important. Older women need to teach. You have to be teaching. Paul lumps the older women and the younger women together. Listen to this. And so train the younger women. Listen to this, younger ladies, to love your husbands and your children. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God might not be reviled. Listen, 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 listen. You guys, this is so important. What does culture say about those, ver those words? Culture completely stands in opposition to this. Matter of fact, I'm shocked I didn't get poked in the back on my way out off at our first service. These are hot topics right now, are they not? But the word of God steps over culture. The word of God supersedes culture. I don't care what culture is saying other than this. I'm warning you. Grandmas, you have a big job. Don't, don't let it go by the wayside. All right, young guys, us young guys. <laughs> you ready for, why'd you laugh? Come on now. Young guys, pay attention. This one's for you. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respect to be a, a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Every one of us have a testimony. 
Every single one of us. And that leads me back to self-control. Because if I'm selfish, self-serving, and self-absorbed, I guarantee you every single one of the non-believers that you interact with, that you welcome them to church, they're gonna give you a proverbial eye roll because there's nothing but hypocrites in the church. That's what they're saying. But I know this church body is not like that. When the spirit of God comes into us, get out of the way. Even the gates of hell can't stand against When the spirit of God is alive in the body of Christ, oh my goodness. I started coming here in the kids department, there was 38 kids, 38. Two people ran it. Lori and this other gentleman that's no longer here at the church. Two people ran the whole show. Lori Wagner, God bless her. Guys, on one service last, last week, we had 145 to 147 kids. Is the spirit alive in this church? Absolutely. Amen. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I'm trying to get all of us to understand. We all have a testimony that's pretty important. And as we conclude, I want to I make sure and, and, and hit this home. There's people out there that, that if you feel like you got beat up today, and you know for a fact you're on the sidelines and you're seeing people that have lapped you like a billion times and you're like, why start? Why start? Well, I'm gonna tell you something. This race that you're running, this, it, it, you have to get in it. It's like a marathon. There's people who are gonna be faster. There's gonna be people that are a couple laps ahead. It don't matter. Get on the, get on the daggum track. <laughs> start running this race. And when you do, and that Holy Spirit is directing your step, the exclamation point of all the fruits, the exclamation point, the ending punctuation is self-control. Do you catch that? I can't have joy without self-control. I can't, I definitely can't. I don't quali- I don't do love very well. That's really, really, I, tr- I work really hard at love. Without self-control, that's a flop. Without self-control, there's no joy. Without self-control, there's no peace. Without self-control, you see where I'm going with this? All through scripture, it talks about managing that daggum self. But praise be to Jesus. Galatians chapter five says, the fruits of the spirit, not the fruit of Vaughn, not the fruit of insert your name, the fruit of the Spirit. One last story and then, then we'll be done. Last time I preached, uh, a good, great buddy of mine, his name is Steve Polson. He lives in Oregon. Um, I, it was that sermon series where we did, if you only had three sermons to give. I really enjoyed that. I got lots of good emails off of that. Um, that was exaggeration. Um, <laughs> I got beat up on that one. It's fun. Um, I was given that sermon and, and, and Steve was watching the replay and um, on Monday morning he stopped it halfway through and he called me and, and I go, dude, you didn't finish it already, did you? And he goes, yeah, I stopped it halfway through and he goes, bro, I gotta tell you something. I go, what? And he goes, you're fat. 
I go, Steve, the, the camera adds like 50 pounds on you. <laughs> he goes, no, bro, you're fat. You got to do something. For your family's sake, you got to do something. And I'm like, what a jerk. <laughs> See, the problem is our self is really strong. And every once in a while, God comes along and sends a brother with a testimony to bump us. And you know what? Praise be to Jesus that the Spirit of God was in Steve enough to say, you need to start exercising self-control, young man. Does that make sense? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, thank you. God, thank you for your word that's alive and and I can read the same verses a thousand times over, but Lord, every single time you, you wreck me with new. God, thank you for this church body and the fact that a lot of them are in the game. Father, I just pray that you please inspire us to live according to the Spirit. In Jesus' holy Son's name I pray, amen. Thank you, you guys. You are dismissed. Have a great Sunday afternoon.